socio-political issues. One man searches for intelligent conversation. From Dedham, Massachusetts, the birthplace of modern democracy, this is You Don't Have to Yell with your host, Dan Sally. 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 Welcome, senoras y senoras, to episode 72 of You Don't Have to Yell. It is the bod boy of nonpartisan political podcasting and... Given I think it is finally safe to say we know who the president is now, we can fully focus our attention to the goal of long-term reform of the electoral process that resulted in Election Day being extended by about 984 hours. I actually did the math. Now, we're going to be dedicating the next few episodes to folks working on the ground to bring about electoral reform in their states. And we're starting in Florida. Rank My Vote Florida was established to bring ranked choice voting to the state by people who are originally working separately to change elections in their cities. And now most of the prior guests on YDHTY have been looking to implement reform at the state or national level. But Rank My Vote strategy has been to implement this by starting at the municipal level, city by city, county by county. And I sat down with John Severini and Susan Botcher of the organization to discuss why. I'll be back at the end, as always, with final thoughts. Third webcast for You Don't Have to Yell. Hopefully, we discover some new technical problem in this episode as we have during the other two. Possibly not. We'll see. Um, with me, I have John Severini and Susan Botcher from Rank My Vote Florida. Uh, I won't tell you exactly what the organization does. I wanna, don't want to steal their thunder. Uh, but needless to say, it's very much aligned with the mission of You Don't Have to Yell around electoral reform. So John, Susan, thank you for joining me on this fine Sunday morning. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate being on. No, happy to have you. Yes. And there's, and I always, whenever I speak with folks in Florida this time of year, um, I always like to engage in a certain amount of self torture because, of course, <laughs> I'm sitting up here in in the Northeast in Boston. Um, it's mild for Boston in December. The sun is out, which is nice, but it is winter. Tell me, what is it like in Florida right now? John, you go ahead. You're further south than I am. I I was just outside. Uh, I'm going to say. 70 probably it'll probably get to 77 today and uh absolutely gorgeous not a cloud in the sky sorry yeah. that's all right that's all right susan yeah. yeah so i'm a few hours north john's in sarasota i'm in gainesville i'm a few hours north and this morning when i went out to go get the paper um it was mid 50s and very very foggy so that real that you know cool damp um which which i don't care for but uh it's going to burn off and the high today is going to be 75. I will take that over what I have here. I'm not even going to tell you, but I always, I, I, this time of year, um, I always engage in a little game. I call, why do I live here? Uh, (laughs) just, just because again, for anybody, anybody watching this, who's in the Northeast or in the Northern parts of the country, uh, uh, you'll understand it. It gets grim. And so John, you're actually, you're a native New Yorker though, correct? That, that is true. Yes. And, and you I may like empathize. Certainly. Yeah. Well, yeah. See, here's the thing though, is it's America and we're free to leave and you were smart enough to go South. So, uh, so congratulations. And now John, just to kind of help the viewers or the listeners, 
you know, frame where you are in the organization. What's your role within Rank My Vote? Um, okay, well, as far as the statewide effort is concerned, I am the chair, mm-hmm. um, and that was from default. Nobody else wanted it, so uh, they, I, I drew the short straw on that one. Yeah, but um, quite honestly, it was probably more seniority. Um, I have the most gray hair, and also I've been at it the longest. Okay, uh, among our team. Okay. And I, and I guess I should ask too, as well, before we go into your introduction, Susan, John, could you just quickly talk about the, the goal of Rank My Vote Florida? Sure. Um, I'm not sure if your audience is familiar with, with ranked choice voting and how to rank your choices, mm-hmm. but our goal is to enable any city in Florida that wants to use it, to use it, uh, and then ultimately bring it to both uh, statewide and, and federal elections within the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and anybody watching this, of course, knows what ranked choice voting is. If you oh, yeah. don't, it's a very simple system where uh, effectively you uh, voters mark the preference of their voters in or of their candidates in numerical order. And the one that ultimately reser- re- receives the majority vote, that is not the plurality, but the majority of votes either through first choice or second choice ultimately becomes a victor. If you, if you want to dig into it, you can visit ydhty.com. There's a whole write up of it there. Um, and, uh, and Susan, we were talking before we turned on the camera. Now you, you are actually a recovering politician as you put <laughs> yeah. it, correct? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, I served um, on the Gainesville city commission. I've been out of office for six years now and that, Kind of blows my mind. It's been that long because it, it yeah. feels uh, like yesterday that I that I was out. Um, so yeah. So I, I on on one hand, I kind of understand this whole electoral uh, system mm-hmm. from a personal standpoint. Okay. Okay. Great. And we're definitely gonna um, gonna dig into that uh, as we go through this uh, through this conversation. Um, Susan, I'll I'll actually keep keep with you here. You know. Why should Floridians care about ranked choice voting? Uh, well, there's a lot of reasons. Um, and, and I think once we really get into the meat of it, you know, you'll see that this is kind of a multi-layered um, uh, opportunity for us. Um, you know, you're, you'll hear us talk about how it can uh, level out some of the rancor that, that exists between political parties and, and certainly on the local level, between particular candidates, um, because in order for you to appeal, um, you know, you may not be somebody's first choice, but you may be somebody's second or third choice, that that you don't want to alienate the entire electorate. You want to appeal to a broad um, uh, electorate. But from the standpoint of somebody who has served in public office, and and one of the main uh, tasks that our elected officials are you know, uh, have to have to really keep at the forefront is how are you spending taxpayer dollars? You know, are you a good steward of of the tax base? Mm-hmm. And the I would say the best selling point for ranked choice voting that cuts across any political or partisan lines is it saves money. It can save a lot of taxpayer money. So, for example, in the city of Gainesville. Um, traditionally, we hold city commission elections every spring, every year. Um, and very often, especially if there's a seat that's open, you get, you know, three, four or five p- 
people running for an office. In fact, the first time I ran, there were five of us. Um, and I, I won in the first, I, I didn't win. I, I made it to the runoff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you find out how much it costs for the taxpayers to pay for runoff elections in the city of Gainesville, depending on a number of factors, it could be anywhere from $150,000 to $250,000 to conduct a runoff election. Well, over the course of five years and, and municipalities have five-year budget plans, you know, you're talking, you know, upwards of a million dollars. And when you have a municipality whose budget might be annual budget might be, you know, a hundred million dollars, that's that's a significant chunk just to hold a runoff election. So with ranked choice voting, you avoid runoffs because it's all done in that first round. Yeah. And not not to mention the fact, too, that, you know, especially in this year uh, where municipalities are, are already cash strapped, um, the fact that they would be spending that amount of money on an election is not insignificant, I think. Yeah. Um, and well, and can, can I add to that? Yeah, please do. Please do. Sure. So absolutely. The cost savings is is probably the number one factor, but also getting voters to go back to the booth the second time, I don't want to minimize that. Yeah. So in in these off-cycle elections, and this is what resonated with Sarasota voters, mm-hmm. um, besides eliminating the, the cost of that second election, you didn't have to, as a voter, you didn't have to go back a second time. You could express your, your preferences once. Mm-hmm. Um, so on average, we would get a 24% voter turnout on the first round. Mm-hmm. And on our second round, we'd get a 12% turnout. And those those percentages seem to resonate um, across the country where these off-cycle elections just get very... So at the end of the day, we were voting for our, our city commissioners, the people that were going to run our city with 12% of the uh, voter participation. So ranked choice voting literally doubled the um, amount of votes that would uh, ultimately decide who ran our cities. Yeah. yeah and that's, I think that's a really good point, John, because voter fatigue is real. Um, mm-hmm. And again, in the city of Gainesville, because we hold city elections every single spring, that in even years when you have the gubernatorial and then in the presidential years, that you could have as many as four elections in one year. And I can tell you from I know I know and I can tell you from personal experience that when you're knocking doors or making phone calls to voters and it's that runoff election you know they're like what we're voting again didn't we just vote so so it's it's that um, the voter fatigue I don't want to call it annoyance because because it just really distresses me that people are annoyed by voting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that voter, uh, voter fatigue is real and whatever we can do to minimize that and save taxpayer dollars, um, mm-hmm. is a good thing. Yeah. And I, I think the one thing I always like to highlight and I harp on this again and again and again on the show is that when you look at somebody's margin of victory in an election, that is a, a margin of victory amongst the people who voted. And even in the best years, you know, maybe you're talking that's half the people, half the registered voters, maybe 60%. And of course, town and municipalities, um, far less. Um, John, I know you'd mentioned the efforts for Sarasota to pass ranked choice voting. What's been the outcome since that's been passed? 
Sure, Dan. Um, well, so I wasn't involved with the original effort. Mm-hmm. That was before I, I got down here. But uh, 2007, mm-hmm. it went uh, by referendum. It was on the ballot. And the voters, 78% um, support for ranked choice voting. And for the very two reasons we, we mentioned, cost savings and eliminate that runoff. So um, at the time, we did not, our voting equipment was old and dated, and it wasn't really capable to run a ranked choice election. Mm-hmm. So it went into our city charter that when we get new equipment and it's certified, that new equipment is certified to run a ranked choice election, we will then start using ranked choice voting. So in 2016, mm-hmm. uh, we bought new equipment. We used, like most municipalities, we, we um, contract the county to run our election. So we use county equipment. Mm-hmm. And the county bought new equipment. Uh, so they host our elections. So now we have capable equipment. And we're um, in discussions with the Secretary of State's office to certify it to allow us to use that. Yeah. And that was my that was my next question, because like just because you pass it in Sarasota or just because you pass it in Gainesville doesn't mean it's actually going to happen because that still has to be authorized at the state level. Right. Correct. OK, got it. Got and, it. And I, Dan, we've certainly we we received some pushback. Mm-hmm. They're not overly excited to change the way people vote. Yeah. Um, but we're in the process of uh, of defending our case. And of course, everything gets, uh, um, there's lawyers involved and we're hoping that we have a positive outcome. Yeah. So uh, then Sarasota would be uh, able to do it and then we'd be the first city. So that's, that's our goal. Got Short it. Term. Got it. Is there any, is there any commonality uh, in terms of the people who oppose it? So for example, is there any partisan bent in the folks who are pushing back or is it kind of across the board? Folks just don't want to change. I think lack of knowledge is the biggest uh, obstacle to yeah. this reform. And and I'd be lying if I didn't say there was some political bend to this. Yeah. Certainly both major parties have pushed back on it. Mm-hmm. But I will say in certain states, the Republican Party has embraced it. Mm-hmm. And in states, the Democratic Party has embraced it. Yeah. I think in my, so my home state of Massachusetts, where we just recently had uh, a ranked choice voting initiative that, that failed, um, it was, there was, I think, bipartisan, it's, it's kind of odd to say, I think there was bipartisan support and bipartisan opposition, um, which I think is the definition of a good deal in politics, I'd say. Um, but I, I do think that the reason it failed here was really because people just, people just didn't know what it meant. You know, there was that lack of education, like you said, and, and to an extent, I think, you know, COVID skewed it a bit. But um, but yeah, I, I think I think that was that was the big challenge. Um, yeah, Dan, I, I just want to add for yeah. your viewers that don't know. I mean, you failed, but you were it was narrow. I mean, you had four oh, percent support. You just needed 60. Yeah. So yeah. Right. And and I think and look, this is going to come back. Uh, right. This is going to come back on the ballot again. This isn't the this isn't the death of ranked choice voting in Massachusetts. And I think there's there's some stuff I've talked about in earlier episodes uh, that occurred here during the primaries that uh, I think make a huge argument for it. Um, right. You know, from yeah. now, um, Susan, I want to I want to jump over to you because, you know, obviously you've been in politics. We actually again, prior to hit prior to. Um, prior to hitting a start here and, and, and getting live, you know, Susan and I were talking about our prior careers, mine in stand-up comedy and hers in politics. 
and uh, both of us had to deal with hecklers. Um, and so, Susan, you don't necessarily have to share any horror stories, but I'm just interested, like, what was the tone of the elections in, in, in Gainesville when you were, uh, when you were active in politics? Um, you know, there's, there seems to be kind of an ongoing, um, flow of issues, some that are, you know, fairly mild and others that are, are real flashpoints, um, and when I when I ran, uh, there were a couple of issues that were flashpoints. And again, you can you know, Gainesville's a small enough community that you know you know who all the players are, you know who all the voices are, you know basically what's behind um, either their support or opposition for for particular issues. Um, something like ranked choice voting, though as long as you do the right job or, or a good job educating people and communicating to them, this is what it is. Most people go, Oh, okay, this is great. So, so as far as that inherent push and pull, whether it's between partisan left versus right conservative versus progressive, or maybe it's just people who have planted their flag on an issue and they're immovable um, versus what you as as an aspiring uh, elected official or maybe somebody who's in office. Um, so so there's always there's always going to be that tension. I just think that that's part of human nature. Mm-hmm. Um, but for something like ranked choice voting, you know, my my experience with it, if you don't mind me, you know, kind of jumping yeah. your question more to how how I learned about ranked choice voting. I had kind of heard about it over, you know, a couple of years, never really paid much attention to it because I don't think that it was being pushed quite, quite strongly enough at the time. But when John Severini and Adam Friedman came to Gainesville and gave presentations at two different public uh, forums here in Gainesville, and this was uh, about a year ago, right, John? In December, Uh, yep. Yeah. That, you know, that I was I was all ears and I was thinking, you know, th- this is this is something that's fairly new to me, having been in politics and been a political activist for you know more than 15 years now, certainly got my attention. And by the end of the presentation, I was sold. And I thought, this is a good thing, mainly because it's not partisan, mainly because it has all the right reasons for why you would want this. It, it's there's something for everybody. Um, and so I think that that's the real selling point. So, so after that first presentation, then John and Adam gave a second presentation at a different group. And it was kind of the same thing. You know, when I go to these kinds of things, regardless of what the topic is, I try my best to read the room, to watch the audience, to kind of pay attention who's there, what's the demographic. And I can, I can tell you that across the board, when, when the presentations first started, people, you know, were learning for the first time what ranked choice voting was. They were wrapping their heads around the concept. And you know, there's always people in the room that are looking for, you know, well, what's the nefarious uh, yeah. uh, motivation behind this? What are you trying to, what wool mm-hmm. are you trying to pull over my eyes? But by the end of the presentations, everybody went, oh, this is brilliant. Why, why wouldn't we want something like this? And so I think that that's, that's what uh, this is all about, is it's about educating the public. Whether you're an elected official and you're trying to convince your constituency to support something that you would like to see 
you know, whether it's your city, county, state, whatever, do, or it's something like this. It's going to be an advocacy uh, uh, campaign that that the proper education, the consistent education, and the fact that that it's so easy to demonstrate that something like this is not partisan, that it really is what it is. There's no yeah. hidden agenda other than let's make voting easy, let's make it more fair, let's make it uh, less expensive, you know, and, and there's actually, you know, several other reasons why ranked choice voting is is something that I think once educated, people will by and large support it. Yeah, and it, it sounds like, if I'm hearing you right, it sounds like for the most part, when you're going out doing these presentations, you're, the, the reception is is mainly positive. Am I hearing that right or, or no? Yes. Oh, absolutely, Dan. Yeah. Um, you know, it takes a, a few minutes. It's not the easiest topic to convey. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so much easier if you can show them. So if I'm doing a PowerPoint presentation and I have slides to mm-hmm. reference, everybody, you know, the lights go off and everybody says, yeah, I get it. When it's a one-on-one conversation, a little more challenging. It, I think it's a combination of people are resistant to change and, mm-hmm. and elections are a holy grail. You know, mm-hmm. you, don't, you don't play with that easily. Mm-hmm. So people have to really be convinced there's a, a benefit and a strong enough benefit to change the status quo. But once you can educate them, I, I think it's an easy leap. They, they are, are uh, usually uh, uh, quick to jump on board. We are going to take a short break and we'll be back in a moment with Susan and John from Rank My Vote Florida. I hope you're enjoying this show, and I wanted to take a quick break to remind you why we're here. Now, as I record this right now, Congress just agreed to a stimulus package that's going to bring much-needed relief to people struggling financially about two months too late. And the reason is that our system is not set up to reward compromise with the other side. Our winner-take-all system of elections is directly to blame, and reforms like ranked choice voting are critical to getting elected officials to pay attention to the center, to where the bulk of the voters are ideologically, rather than playing to the hard ideological base. And as this episode has shown, people just like you are organizing to take action in their state, and you can help. If you're serious about implementing electoral reform, go to Google right now and find an organization in your area working towards it. And if you can't find one, let me know. You can either drop me a line on my website, ydhty.com. There's a little form at the bottom you can fill out. Or you can find me on social media by searching for You Don't Have to Yell or via the hashtag ydhty. My goal is to get like-minded people across the country to share ideas and band together because we don't need to sit back and accept the status quo. And in the right numbers, we can change things. I hope you'll join me. And now, back to the episode. You know, it's funny, in a lot of ways, as I listen to you both talk, you know, and I, I think now is in a lot of ways the best time and the worst time to bring this up yeah. um, because I think right. there's certainly a, a high degree of cynicism, a high degree of, I think, disillusionment. And at the same time, there's also a high degree of suspicion. 
And so I'd imagine one of the big challenges and something you mentioned earlier is just kind of getting over that hurdle of saying, no, this isn't designed to benefit one party or the other. It is honestly designed to right. moderate the, the, the tone. Um, so, Dan, and I, I'll, I'll just share it. That's why we think at a city level, it's the, the logical place to approach this, because most city elections and certainly ours in Sarasota are nonpartisan. You know, yep. There's no letter next to any candidate's name. Mm-hmm. typically you understand what party that person, you know, is from, but, but you try to take that partisan, uh, you know, nature away from the election. Mm-hmm. And it's also a way to educate a large number of people and get them used to it. You know, before we try to do something like you folks did in Massachusetts was, mm-hmm. is a much tougher lift to go statewide without a lot of, you know, local experience. So that's, that's the route we've decided to yeah, that was that was my big question too, because your organization is focused specifically on municipalities rather than than going for state or, or federal office. Whereas, um, you know, Massachusetts really, we just went for the whole state. Now, you know, that being said, um, Massachusetts, a much smaller state. You know, Florida, you're talking. Uh, and you, uh, can I also share? Yeah, um, I know. Very close friends with the people that ran that campaign up there. And, and I know a lot of the, you know, Cambridge Mass has been doing it for years. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, you do have that local uh, experience to point towards. Um, the state of Maine adopted it. And again, you know, kind of nearby neighbor of yours. Um, and that campaign just felt the, the mood was right. And I, mm-hmm. and I think without COVID, I, I personally believe that would have passed in Massachusetts. The inability for people to get out and knock on doors and do farmers markets and, and explain it is probably what at the end of the day did it in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, certainly like everybody I talked to was for it. And if they weren't for it after they talked to me, uh, they were. Right. Um, and it's 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 not it's not a hard sell. Um, and it's funny because I even, you know. In Mass, I mean, I don't know how it is in in Florida, but in, in Massachusetts, especially in the Boston area, politics is is serious, and even at the town level. So I live in a town. I live in Dedham, Massachusetts, which is probably like under thirty thousand people. Um, you would you would be surprised the level of emotion that that can be aroused during these elections. So. Um, anything that kind of calms us down a bit, I'm, I'm a, I'm a hundred percent for, um, no, oh, go on. Were you going to say something? Oh, I'll, I'll just share on that tone. Yeah. Um, one of our biggest supporters in Sarasota is our mayor. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, she didn't know what ranked choice voting was until last year when, you know, I went around and explained it and, and she got on board immediately because she said, you mean I don't have to run a second campaign? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, the energy, the, you know, the cost, and it's not pretty to get out there and run a campaign. You get beat up. And then if you're the lucky one to go on to the runoff, you get to do it all again. Mm-hmm. And three months later, you know, you have to raise money, go back to all your donors. Um, so, I mean, the politicians like it. Why put everybody through that whole process twice? Yeah, Same. yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I like so tomorrow. Actually, I'm speaking with um, someone from Better Ballot Georgia, which is a 
you know, ranked choice voting initiative that just started up there. And I mean, these poor folks have been now in an interminably long yes. uh, election cycle that's going to go straight into the new year. So um, I, I can't imagine it would be the most difficult sell uh, there. Um, kind of getting back to the the focus on on the city level, like, is there, do you feel there's a certain critical mass the organization would need to hit or a certain critical mass of municipalities adopting ranked choice bo- voting before you could entertain this for other elections, like against state legislature or federal offices? So Susan, I'll feel that one if you don't mind. But Dan, it, it, no, I'm going to, you know, the short answer is hmm. let, we need to get several and, you know, I'm going to say three, five, uh, you know, we need to get several cities using it, get people comfortable. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we need to see what happens nationally. Mm-hmm. This, this effort is gaining a lot of momentum. You said Georgia, but I, I know of at least 25 states that have active ranked choice efforts. We know Alaska just passed it, so they'll be the second state to use it. Um, there were two other states that were supposed to have it on the ballot, mm-hmm. but it wasn't because of a technicality. So we see a lot of momentum. And, and so to answer your question, I think it's a combination of how successful we are with cities and how successful other states and other cities are, because that will influence, you know, I, I think voter um, interest in general. Yeah. So, combination of those two factors. Yeah. And the cool thing there, too, is like as these initiatives start to pop up in different states, that kind of builds awareness everywhere. Yeah. So I'd imagine that's going to give you some good air cover. Um, Susan, yeah. I, oh, go on. Sorry, John. I'd say even the, you know, the near miss in Massachusetts just created so much uh, knowledge and, uh, you know, media attention to it because of you. Andrew Yang came out for it. Elizabeth Warren came out for it. Um, uh, uh, the former governor of Massachusetts, um, ah, his name is escaping me. William Weld. Well, yeah. Weld, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Andrew. Yeah. So, you know, bipartisan support and, and a lot of visibility. Yeah, yeah, that was the that was the the interesting thing about Massachusetts was the fact that it was truly bipartisan. I mean, we had and and Weld is, uh, you know, Weld at at this point is has obviously was running on the libertarian ticket. But, you know, we had our uh, ex lieutenant governor who was a Republican uh, sign on to it. A number of prominent Massachusetts Republicans uh, were were supporting that. and, and Susan, I want to pull you back in here because, you know, obviously you've you've run a few elections. You've kind of seen what it's like, like as you go out there, as you present this case, what are some of the, the challenges maybe that we haven't discussed yet that you're anticipating as this continues to gain steam? Um, well, I think I think the challenge is getting in getting in front of enough people with, you know, a good, succinct, easy to to. Uh, show uh, presentation of some sort that that if you just rely on, hey, we're going to have a conversation about this, as John alluded to, it's a little harder to describe it. I mean, you even said it, Dan, mm-hmm. that, that just, just saying, hey, there's this thing called ranked choice voting. Here's how it works. A lot of people have trouble kind of grasping it. But when mm-hmm. you have that presentation where you can show it in, from a couple of different angles, that light bulb definitely, you know, lights up over people's heads and they go, oh, okay, I get it. Strategically, and, and I can't imagine Florida is really that different than any other state, 
that strategically, I think that when you when you're talking about passing it on the municipal level, there's more than 400 incorporated municipalities in the state of Florida. Mm. And you have some that, you know, and you also have consolidated governments like like Duval County, Jacksonville, Duval County up in the northeast, um, Miami-Dade in the southeast. Um, and then you have the smaller municipalities in the panhandle and in north central Florida and in certain areas down in the middle of the state that I think the sell to those smaller municipalities is going to be just as important as as it is going to be in the larger municipalities and consolidated governments. Because if we're going to then pivot to trying to get this done on the state level, if you've got this uh, very diverse demographic, geographic and demographic support for ranked choice voting, it's much easier for the state legislature to go, oh, okay, this isn't something to be afraid of. This isn't something to be suspicious of. Mm -hmm. Across the board, everybody's, you know, everybody wants this and and the municipalities have already, uh, you know, embraced it. And in some cases, you know, want to pass it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's one other thing I wanted to jump in. uh, I I wanted to jump in with here that I, I just thought of too, which is, you know, we, we've talked about, you know, a few of the, the issues with education. Um, The other thing that appeals to me about ranked choice voting, I think appeals to a lot of people is the whole spoiler effect um, in elections. And obviously we've seen that in presidential elections recently here in Massachusetts, we had a uh, four way democratic primary where, the person who took office won, I think it was by 24 to 30%, somewhere around there. So could you it just, again, for the folks who maybe are new to this, could could you explain how ranked choice voting con- counters that? I'll let so, John take that. Yeah. Okay, great. All right, Dan. So thank you. Yeah, that's, that's it, 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 there's a lot of benefits to ranked choice voting, but that's real high up on, on my list of uh, advantages. So what it does is it, it allows other voices to enter the conversation, third party voices, libertarian voices, Green Party voices, whatever they are, to run for office without worrying about being that spoiled. So, you know, we can go to, I'll say, the 2016 election. We'll just pick that one, the presidential. And there, there was a large libertarian following for Bill Weld and Gary Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, so those voters had a choice. I, you know, do I vote for somebody that I know is going to lose or not likely to win? Let's say that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm expressing my first choice, but then I, you know, I, I know that I may actually be helping the person I want least to win mm-hmm. um, by not voting for, you know, my, the other candidate uh, and green party candidates have that same problem. Um, you know, certainly party primaries. You mentioned party primaries. And that problem is both parties. Both parties Mm -hmm. are affected by that spoiler. So the voters have to choose. Do I want to express my real desire or do I have to vote strategically? Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, right choice allows you to do both. Yeah. allows you to pick your first choice and and express that and then then pick a second and a third. Um, But primaries are even possibly the better example where, and this year we had uh, in the Democratic primary 23 candidates. So I have to pick one. I only have one choice out of 23. I know personally I had a lot more than one. And in Florida, a unique thing happened, which wasn't just Florida. 
Um, uh, several candidates dropped out right around the time of our primary election. And what happened was a lot of mail-out-in ballots went out. People voted for candidates, returned them. And before the primary, that candidate had dropped out of the race. Mm-hmm. So that ballot was totally, you know, wasted. It was a wasted ballot. So with the ranked choice, again, you would have been able to express several choices and probably you would have had a choice that was still in the race. So tens of thousands of ballots were wasted in Florida alone and hundreds of thousands around the country. Um, and then the, the final thing was candidates winning with very small support. So in a very um, large field, 16, 18, candidates win with 25 and 30% support, which means 75% of the people didn't vote for that candidate. Mm-hmm. And we just feel that is driving uh, people to the extreme. Candidates are incentivized to play to the fringes. Because mm-hmm. if I only need 30%, I know where I can get it. Yep. And I can ignore everybody else. Mm-hmm. So that's really, really hurting politics in our country. Um, so that's the spoiler effect uh, goes away with ranked choice voting. I, you know, I should have shared this at the beginning um, because we actually, so I have four four kids at home. And I have implemented a ranked choice voting system whenever we order takeout or whenever we go out to eat. Because, and again, for those of you with kids, you'll understand, like, when you're planning on what to eat, there's always that one kid who's like, no, no, I don't want that. I don't want that. And then you spend an hour trying to figure out, trying to come to some conclusion as to where you're going to eat. People get hungrier. People get angrier. And then by the time you've made some conclusion, like two of them have already gone and gotten a snack and aren't hungry anymore. And so I implemented ranked choice voting as a way to decide where we're going to eat. So at the very least, if you're not getting your first choice, most likely you're getting your second choice. And, uh, and it makes for much happier kids. So again, for those of you maybe looking for a way to put that into action in your own life, there you go. Wish I had thought of that earlier, but you know, can't I love change. it, man. That's beautiful. Yeah. We, we've been advocating for groups to use it. Um, you know, anything from a book club, you know, pick the next book that the, the club's going to read to voting in your homeowners association, yeah. whatever, you know, normalize it, get it out there in everyday life. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a good strategy also for, you know, the, that Christmas list uh, to Santa. <laughs> yes. Yes. Go. Santa. If I can get the PlayStation 5, I would like that. <laughs> but if not, if not. Real, yeah, exactly. Well, up for the puppy. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, just in time, parents. There you go. Um, you know, one other thing I was I was thinking too, and Susan, kind of jumping back to you as we were talking about some of the challenges to getting people to to buy into it. You know, the other question I had is, you know, in in politics, we like things to happen now. So we assume, you know, I cast a vote for this. I'm going to be able to do this tomorrow. Um, how long, what's kind of the lag time that you anticipate between when a city adopts a policy and when it's actually kind of in action? Well, something like ranked choice voting, um, I think would be very simple to implement more quickly than perhaps some other more complex kind of policies that municipalities are faced with. Mm-hmm. Um, I Last year, I served on the city's 
Charter Review Commission, um, CRC, and that's where every 10 years a uh, panel of people, a board of people are appointed by the city commission to go through the city's charter, decide, you know, if there's any changes that need to be made, what are they? Mm -hmm. And coincidentally, that was when, um, at the same time, when John and Adam came to Gainesville and did their presentations. And fortunately, it was early enough in our process and the CRC's process where we could, you know, really take a deep dive into it. Um, Long story short, our CRC was, you know, very interested in putting this into the city charter. What stopped us was the fact that our supervisor of elections uh, told us that even though she had the equipment um, and the software that could conduct a ranked choice voting election on the city level, and that's, as an aside, that's one of the obstacles that a lot of cities or counties have is their supervisors of election don't have the software or the hardware to conduct these elections. Anyway, in Alachua County, um, our, we did, our supervisor of elections did have that software and hardware, but she told us, she goes, I can't do this because I'm prohibited by the secretary of state. She goes, I cannot conduct an illegal election. Um, and so reluctantly, our CRC did not put that on the list of ballot and referendum uh, to put before the voters. Um, mm-hmm. Had we had the green light from her, I believe that this would have passed. Um, you know, we have a fairly educated population in Gainesville. Um, we had already started doing the, the, uh, the footwork, you know, the groundwork to educate people. Um, you know, certainly uh, the people who are very engaged and likely to vote in city elections you know, John kind of talked about, uh, you know, it's like, boy, you're bragging. You got 25 percent people to vote in a city election. If we get 15 percent in Gainesville, we're you know, I mean, we're, we're just you know, we're celebrating. <laughs> um, so so to get to get that much many people educated on it, I am confident that it would have passed in the city of Gainesville. So, Dan, uh, I'll expand on that just a yeah. bit. Um, once we have the legal hurdles cleared, mm-hmm. um, most of Florida has pretty current voting equipment. Mm-hmm. We've done an analysis of all the counties in Florida, and most of our counties are up to date. So it's a simple matter, and there's only two vendors, two different kinds of voting equipment throughout the state. Mm-hmm. So it's a, kind of a simple process for the Secretary of State to formally test and certify ranked choice. And then then we have the green light. So once a city decides, like Sarasota did and like hopefully Gainesville and others will, this is the way we want to host our election. On average, a year to two before it's actually put uh, implemented. Mm -hmm. So the city of New York passed it in 2019 and they'll use it in 2021 for their mayor's elections. Okay. So the, the process isn't that long by, you know, in the world of, getting things through government. Um, but it's more of an operational thing, testing equipment, making sure it's work, and then an education process so the voters you know, know how to use it. Mm-hmm. And we have plenty, there's 25 cities that have already done this. So there's, there's really a lot of uh, experience here where we can borrow from these other cities in the way of educating. It's not an expensive process. Um, and we find, actually, I'll share some of the exit data. Voters prefer it after they get over the hurdle of understanding it. They sit down and they prefer 
the fact now I have more than one choice. And they become more educated voters because they do the homework. It's not just, okay, I have my candidate. This is, you know, he's wearing the right jersey. I'm, I'm voting for that person. Yeah. Um, she is wearing the right jersey. Um, so they, they do their homework because who do I want for my second choice? And, and so that is another, you know, just really nice to demand, uh, benefit. Do you know, and I don't want to get, I don't want to wax too philosophical here, but mm-hmm. you know, the thing that really got me into this and the thing that really, really prompted me to, to, to start talking about this was uh, when I realized that just due to political branding right now and how strong it is, you know, two people of, of opposite political opinions in this country at this point have reached a point where they don't even inhabit the same factual reality. And, yeah. uh, and it's very, very de- democracy can't function if there isn't some sense of consensus. So I really love the idea that voters do have to educate them beyond the, the party they trust. Like you said, beyond what Jersey a, a, a candidate's wearing. Yeah. And, we, and again, that's why we think city elections are the perfect place to start here. Yeah. Because everything's partisan, but, you know, maybe they're the least. So yeah. Yeah. And I, and, and, and I think, look, I, I think to an extent, you know, there has to be some deference paid to the fact that people are a, a little suspicious. They are a little yeah. cynical and that maybe to start small and really start at the local level um, is the best way to get people comfortable and help people really trust the process, um, which I think, again, in 2020 is critical. Um, so I was on a, a state, uh, a national call just last week. And just to that point, California has been doing this for many years in many different cities. And this year, two more cities just adopted it, California. So I think they're up to five now. Um, and the, I, I'm, I'm going to, I think it was Eureka, Eureka, California. Mm-hmm. The whole campaign start to finish was one year. And the reason why it was so short is because the neighboring two cities have been doing it forever. So everybody in Eureka was like, you know, knew somebody that was doing it. And it was an easy lift, if you will. Yeah. So, you know, and I, think, I think that that's a really important point. Um, you know, when you're talking about the strategy of how to get this passed is, is this is not a brand new concept. We are not creating something, you know, uh, that's never, ever been done before. In fact, as I was going over some of the notes um, that I have on this ever since I've joined this, this effort, um, I was reminded that, that ranked choice voting actually was created back in the 19th century. It's actually already in use in many countries around the world. And, and as we now know that in the United States, there are a lot of municipalities and counties in some states that are doing it. So for us here in Florida, this, this makes our lift easier mm-hmm. to be able to say, you know, here's where it's working already. You know, and that, I think that that can really mitigate a lot of that initial suspicion some people have about, well, I've never heard of this before and, and what... Uh, you know, what, what are you trying to, you know, what are you trying to get me to do that I might not want to do? Um, mm-hmm. that, that having these examples to show. Um, and as far as the timing, you know, the question that you asked about how long does it take? This was one of the nice things about, you know, where the cities are doing this through charter amendment is because how you word the charter amendment can either accelerate or perhaps for very good reasons delay when it's being implemented. Um, So, for example, our Charter Review Commission, our CRC 
completed our work last spring. And we made sure we stuck to that calendar so that all the other factors that needed to be in place could be in place for us to put it on the November 2020 ballot. Um, and we were totally prepared to do that. <laughs> if, for example, you know, whether it's Gainesville or any other municipality, if you're on some, you know, that same kind of time schedule and you're thinking, you know what, we have to give our supervisor of elections, you know, they tell us that they need another year or another two years before they're going to have the equipment, um, you have the funding for the equipment so that the equipment's ready to do it, then in a charter amendment, you can say it will take effect, you know, in 2024, 2026, mm -hmm. you know, so, so you've got that flexibility. And I think that that's why putting it in the hands of the municipalities is really the best way to go because you tailor it to to the character of of your populace to your electorate as well as to some of the structural uh, uh, challenges that you might face yeah yeah well one last question for for you both and i'll i'll, I'll uh and I'll, I'll leave it to you to decide who who answers this one aside from implementing it ranked choice voting at home when it comes to takeout and Christmas lists. If, if I'm watching this and I'm in Florida and I want to help, how can I take action? That's yours, John. Okay. All right, Susan. Yeah. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. Sure. Well, if you're in Florida, help us. All right. We, we need support all around the state. We need believers to just spread this word and there's plenty of things to do. So the, the, our website is rankmyvoteflorida.org. Spell out every word, rankmyvoteflorida.org. Um, just join, hit the join button, put your name in there. If you have any special uh, skills, you're, you're in city government, uh, you, you have a social media blog, whatever it is, let us know. And we'll connect you with the right team that's, uh, that's helping advance this uh, in your area. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for all you listeners that aren't in Florida, we love your support as well, but there's probably local organizations in your states. Yep. So we absolutely suggest you just Google search that. And, uh, you know, I can tell you that the national site is uh, fairvote.org. Mm -hmm. um, they've been at this the longest. Um, in Massachusetts, there's an a, a organization called Rank the Vote. Uh, you want to definitely visit that if you're a Massachusetts uh, person. Mm -hmm. And... Um, yeah, this this we just need to spread the word, folks. It's it's a great reform. We know once people understand it, and after they get to use it, they love it. Um, so that's our our joint mission. Yeah, and and the other thing I'd bring up too, just to to your point about the folks not in Florida, if there's one thing that that's kind of gelled with me as we've talked here, it's that it's the collective effort of people around the country that makes the efforts of people in other parts of the country easier. You know, the more people that know about this, the more people are talking about this, the easier it's going to be to get people to warm to this idea and get it implemented at the state and local level. So um, one thing I, I harp on again and again is, is, you know, get out there and get involved. Yeah. It's well, not a spectator sport, right? No, absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. not. Yeah. Absolutely not. So uh, yeah, thank you both for your time. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, for those of you who maybe you're just tuning in or tuned in for the last half, didn't catch it all, uh, this recording is going to be live on YouTube and Facebook. It's also going to be up in this week's edition of the You Don't Have to Yell podcast. 
which you can get on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever else you happen to get your podcasts. So thanks again, John and Susan. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate the time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Again, for those in Florida interested, the site is rankmyvoteflorida.org. And if this is your first time listening and you liked what you heard, please subscribe and share. We need to get the word out. Now, lastly, a full unedited version of this episode with video is available on YouTube. So just search for You Don't Have to Yell if you want to check it out again. Now, two things I want you to remember from this episode. One, the battle against ranked choice voting and electoral reform isn't because too many people are happy with the way things are. It's that they don't know there's another way. And by educating people through face-to-face conversations or over Zoom in the current era, John and Susan's experience shows the idea is not a tough sell. But this isn't going to happen with a hashtag. Now, second, this is going to be a long process. Rank My Vote Florida is working at the municipal level to get people comfortable with the idea of ranked choice voting before bringing it to the state and federal level. And this process of implementing it at the local level is going to take time, but it's also going to help accelerate adoption for higher offices. Now, 2029 is the deadline I set, and there's a reason I gave it a decade instead of a year. It seems like a long time, but keep your eyes on the horizon and keep moving forward. We will get there this decade. Now, next week, I'm taking the conversation to Georgia, where election season is still going on. Lucky them. I'll be speaking with Shai Robkin of Better Ballot Georgia about their organization's recent efforts to turn their runoff electoral system into a one-day affair, as opposed to the multi-week affair we have right now. Hope you'll join me. As always, music, courtesy of Norway's finest Quellertak. Editorial advisor for YDHTY is Adam, who forgave me for the time I took his debit card for 24 hours Yaffe. YDHTY is produced in North Carolina, United States of America, by the big Gino Jason Putney, who won't let me anywhere near his debit card. Until the next, this is Dan Sally. Bye-bye.